Reaction continues to come in over a new spate of Clinton emails recently discovered by the FBI. The Fed stumbled on the emails during an investigation into former Congressman Anthony Weiner. Weiner was suspected of texting pictures of his sex organs to a 15-year-old girl after the girl asked her doctor for a lobotomy to have the images surgically removed from her mind. Weiner said he was enthusiastic about an FBI probe until he found out probe just meant investigation. The FBI seized the computers of Weiner and Hillary Clinton's aide Huma Abedin. Ms. Abedin made an angry statement to the press saying, quote, These law enforcement infidels are unfair to anyone who is a presidential candidate's lesbian lover with ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. I'm not saying me necessarily, but just if someone was ever like that, law enforcement would be unfair to her, unquote. Hillary Clinton spoke angrily before a gathering of supporters saying, quote, I demand that the FBI release these new emails immediately and that my cronies in the State Department delay their release so that I can seem transparent while actually obstructing justice at the same time. Okay, now turn on the microphone and I'll make my public statement, unquote. Members of the media were also outraged, blithering prevarication III, the opinion and or news editor of the New York Times, a former newspaper, said, quote, when FBI Director James Comey called for Hillary Clinton to remain unindicted while simultaneously announcing sufficient grounds for her indictment after giving her co-conspirators immunity in return for nothing and barely questioning Hillary herself at all, I believe Comey was an unimpeachable public servant of immense integrity. But now I see he's a corrupt hack who's trying to influence an election instead of doing his job. Oh, wait, maybe that's me. I'm all confused. Unquote. Clinton campaign officials tried to force the email news off the front page by dredging up yet another woman to accuse Donald Trump of molesting her. In an emotional press conference, the woman said, quote, It's appalling that Donald Trump should be allowed to get away with having sex with me just because he's a rich celebrity who gave me jewels and money and got my pictures in the papers and now doesn't even call me, unquote. Campaign officials later admitted they might be scraping the bottom of the molestation barrel. As for Trump himself, upon hearing of the new emails, he immediately sent out a tweet saying, quote, Alicia Machado really was much too fat, plus she's Hispanic, so she was like a fat Hispanic maid, hashtag emails, unquote. As for my own reaction, I think there's a moral here for all of us. Never send explicit sexual material to an underage girl if you're married to a presidential candidate's radical Islamist lesbian lover whose computer holds evidence that the candidate exposed state secrets in order to hide the fact she was peddling influence at the highest levels of government. If you're a Republican, that could get you sent to prison for life. If you're a Democrat, it could make you the multimillionaire leader of the free world. So don't do it, unless you're a Democrat. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is zippity-zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. It does make me want to sing, as I tell you. but thank heavens I'll resist the uh, the urge. Oh, we even have a, we have a, we even have a Halloween a Halloween Clavin on there. I'm actually I, I actually came in costume as a woman who identifies as a man. That was my that's my that's as, as much of a costume as I'm going to wear. All right, we're going to be asking the the philosophical questions today. If Hillary Clinton has a Clavenless weekend. Does that mean it's not Clavenless for the rest of us? Is that I don't know. That's, all right. But first, but first, 
the Daily Wire not not wanting to leave entertainment off. You know, we try to deal with politics, but we have to have entertainment. We've produced our own Halloween movie to show to terrify you this this season. Announcing the commencement of the annual purge. All government and emergency services will be suspended for 12 hours. All crime is legal. Hurry up, boys. We only have 12 hours before the government shuts this project down. Take her up, take her up. Ha ha ha, let's kill Ethan Hawk. No time. Reg 14B section 249Q is only suspended. suspended for 12 hours but uh, anything I mean we could do anything murder sorry son 12 small businesses to start after this plus it's the only day of the year I can smoke a cigarette in the bar gotta open a lemonade stand with my kid I'm gonna ride a bike without a helmet <laughs> that, that's very funny. All right. I did. I did like the idea of killing Ethan Hawke, but I guess, I guess I guess starting a business is good too. All right. Before we're going to get to our our cultural segment with the much beloved Michael Knowles, we have we even have some fan mail that was written to me, which you won't believe. But we're going to get to that in a little while. First, we have to deal with James Comey. Oh, the the evil James, evil terrible saint or saintly James. I am so confused. Is he a saint? Is he an evildoer? I don't know anymore. So he found some more emails, right? <laughs> let, let me just, I just want to go back for a moment. I'm going to go back in time to 2013. Do you remember Marco Rubio gave the official Republican response to the Obama State of the Union address? And in the middle of this response, he took a sip of water, okay? Here's a compilation of the media reaction to his sip of water. Can a drink of water make or break a political career, a U.S. senator, possible presidential candidate? Going to find out. These things happen when you don't really know what you're saying or believe what you're saying. The Florida senator certainly felt the heat and couldn't help but swallow his own pride as he turned water into whining. Marco Rubio's Watergate moment, it's being called, was an awkward one for both him and many in the Republican Party who see him as the GOP savior. It's being called Rubio's Watergate. Even zero dark thirsty. Okay, so here's, here's my question. If a drink of water threatens the career of a Republican who might be a presidential candidate, what happens when a former Democrat congressman makes sexual Twitter advances to a minor, causing the FBI to seize the computer of his wife, the Democrat presidential candidate's aide, and a woman with proven ties to radical Islam, and the said computer is found to contain emails that potentially exposed classified information by using a private server to hide the fact that she was peddling influence? I'm just asking for a friend, you know. I mean, I just want to know. I mean, it's incredible the difference. By the way, we just, not just to be fair, Donald Trump also went after Rubio during the primaries for the water drinking. When they put Marco on to refute President Obama's speech, do you remember that catastrophe? And he's like this, and we were, ah, ah, I need water, help me, I need water, help. And he's this. That, that was old Donald Trump. The, one, the best thing I can say about Donald Trump, by the way, is that he has learned, right? He's not that guy. He doesn't do that anymore. He's actually. However, Donald Trump also said something else last summer. And this is a long clip, but it's worth playing because this is something he said about the email scandal and the fact that some of these emails were going to Huma Abedin. So Uma now, 
is one of the people that it all sort of came through Uma. Who is Uma married to? One of the great sleazebags of our time. Anthony Weiner, did you know that? She's married to Anthony Weiner. You know, the little bing, 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 bum, bum. I love you very much. So, now think of it. So, Uma is getting classified secrets. She's married to Anthony Weiner, who's a perv. Oh, he is. He is. So she's married. Now, these are confidential documents. She's married to this guy who's... And guess what happens to Anthony Weiner? A month ago, I see he went to work for a public relations firm. Do you believe it? Now, if you think that Uma isn't telling Anthony, who she's probably desperately in love with, in all fairness to Anthony, because why else would she marry this guy? Can you believe it? Can't see straight. But if you would... Look... Think of it. So Uma's got, it's coming through Uma. She's got a lot of stuff, a lot of information. Who knows? So she's married to a bad guy. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. I knew before they caught him with the bing, 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 right? And he was a bad guy then. It turned out that he was a really bad guy. So she's married to Anthony Weiner. Do you think there's even a 5% chance that she's not telling Anthony Weiner now of a public relations firm? What the hell is coming across? <laughs> I kind of miss that Donald Trump, you know? Bing, 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 boop, boop, boop. I miss him, you know, making fun of me, making faces and all that stuff. Now he reads off the thing with the, you know, he looks like he's on Xanax and he's reading off the teleprompter and all this. So lo and behold, just as Trump Stradamus predicted, right, just as he predicted, they they go in to find, they, after Anthony Weiner for sexting a minor, <laughs> which really is sleazy. I mean, how, how stupid. You know, that's like that's like stop me before I sexed more. You know, like he obviously wants to get caught. A guy who's doing that. So he, so they come in to investigate that, and they find six hundred and fifty thousand emails on these computers that they seize from this family. Now they're Abaddon and uh, Weiner are now estranged. Huma said she's going to divorce him so they're up, they're apart but still they've seized the emails now they've gotten warrants to search these other emails and they do contain some emails from Hillary Clinton but they don't know he hasn't said anything about what's on them there's some speculation that he wouldn't have gone to all this trouble if uh, if he didn't think there was something really in there but I, I don't know about that because he's told Congress he told Congress that this was over, you know, that he had done everything. He'd seen all the emails. He'd gone through everything. So he kind of had to say, you know, no, we're now reinvestigating. He couldn't not say that, whether whatever anybody thinks, whether he's covering his bat, butt or whatever. You know, he had he basically had to say that or get uh, I don't know if it would be perjury, but it would certainly be look very, very bad for him. All right. And we'll get back to Comey in a minute. But first. I love now. Remember, remember Clavin's second rule of mainstream media journalism, right? When there is a scandal, when there is a scandal on the right, the news is the scandal. When there is a scandal on the left, the news is who got the information and how is it obtained. So when there's a scandal on the left, it's oh the Russians, the Russians, you know, oh James Comey, James Comey, you know, this is the this is what happens on the left. If it's a scandal on the right, it's like never mind all that. Let's get down to brass tacks. Let's get down to the information that's in here. So Hillary Clinton comes out with her statement. This is her her reading her prepared statement. Oh yeah. 
liar. You're just a liar. You always were. Oh, wait. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was actually Hillary Clinton in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I forgot that. <laughs> whatever, whatever happened to Baby Jane. Here's her statement. We are 11 days out from perhaps the most important national election of our lifetimes. Voting is already underway in our country. So the American people deserve to get the full and complete facts immediately. The director himself has said he doesn't know whether the emails referenced in his letter are significant or not. I'm confident whatever they are will not change the conclusion reached in July. Therefore, it's imperative that the Bureau explain this issue in question, whatever it is, without any delay. So I look forward to moving forward uh, to focus on the important challenges facing the American people, winning on November 8th, and working with all Americans to build a better future for our country. Thank you. So uh, no, numerous uh I don't know you call them lies. Just, she, she, the woman cannot open her mouth, even with a prepared statement, without saying something that's inherently dishonest. Calling them then to relate, release these emails is inherently dishonest because they can't. They can't do it. They have to look at them. They have to get – they've gotten the warrant now. I think that just happened. But, you know, they, they when you go in and search for something – and you find something that's not on the warrant, you then have to get a warrant to search those. So she knows these things can't be released right away. Plus, her State Department, working on her behalf, as we know from WikiLeaks, working on her behalf and, and in concert with the President of the United States, in concert with the White House, has been obstructing all this information all this time. So this sudden concern that everything come out, you know, and, and be released is absolute nonsense. Plus, she repeatedly said, she repeatedly said that this letter was sent only to Republicans, which just wasn't true. It was sent to both Republicans and Democrats. I got to say goodbye to Facebook already, right? Oh, man, we got some good stuff coming up, so don't go away. Come on over to The Daily Wire, Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to The Daily Wire and hear the rest. And then subscribe so you don't have to go through this incredible agony every time we, we get together. Subscribe. Okay, so... The Clinton campaign immediately seizes on Clavin's second rule of journalism. Remember, they know they're playing to their friends. We know that all the, every single network, every major news outlet is a Democrat news outlet, virtually. Every single one. So they know they're playing to people who will help them. So Brian Fallon, who is their main, Clinton's main spokesman, uh, communications director, I think he's, his name is, he releases this video basically telling the press how to cover this. FBI Director James Comey released to Congress an unbelievably vague letter that was light on facts and heavy on innuendo. And it only serves to give Republicans a new line of attack against Hillary Clinton. But the more information that has come out, the more overblown this all seems, and the more concern it has created about Director Comey's actions. Let's walk through what we know. Republicans said at the beginning of this that the FBI case that was closed in July had been reopened. But that's been debunked. And law enforcement sources say that the emails in question were never withheld by Hillary Clinton or the Clinton campaign. Reports say that the emails were not to or from Hillary Clinton or even ever on her server. In fact, it's entirely possible that they are all duplicates of emails the FBI already looked at months ago. So if that's the case, why send this letter in the first place? You're probably just as puzzled and outraged as we are. 
Former Justice Department officials say this violated protocols intended to prevent action that could be seen as influencing the election. And Attorney General Loretta Lynch reportedly told him not to do it for this very reason. So Director Comey owes it to the American people to say what he has, and both campaigns agree on that point. We're beyond confident that there is nothing at issue here that would be caused to revisit the decision announced back in July. Look, Republicans have been trying to use Hillary Clinton's emails to bring her down since the very beginning of this campaign. We put together a Benghazi special committee. What are her numbers today? They've failed every time because you've had her back. More than ever, we need your help to push back on their phony partisan attacks. We have just days left to elect Hillary and stop Donald Trump. And that's what really matters. Okay, so it's all about Comey. It's all about the evil Republicans. It's all about Donald Trump has got to be stopped. That's what really matters. Let me just talk about Comey briefly and end, and end on this, because <clears throat> I, I will tell you something that will make you wiser, and you'll know that it's going to make you wiser because you'll hate me for saying it. That's how you know, because you know, there's a reason, there's a reason that, that Coleridge wrote about being sadder but wiser. People don't want to be wiser because it makes you sadder. It, what, it, what it does is it takes away – you get wiser every time you stop trying to justify yourself, and that always is what we're all trying to do is justify ourselves. James Comey, you know, I started out saying, let's take James Comey at his word. And I, the reason I do that is because we tend to judge people we disagree with by a standard that suggests that we in their place would do the right thing, would do only the act with pristine integrity. That's the way we judge people who we disagree with, okay? So I always try to start from the other side. Now, I've had to revise that judgment because after I saw the deals that were given, the uh, immunity deals that were given and the Hillary Clinton interview, I thought, no, he cannot justify this in, in, as, a, as pure investigative integrity. On the other hand, the idea to dismiss this guy, who's had a pretty good career, he has been a good investigator and a good prosecutor, to dismiss this guy as a hack suggests that if you were in his position, that you would be doing exactly the right thing all the time. And I think Comey's a more complicated guy than that. I think he's a guy who started out with integrity and has found himself in a completely corrupt administration trying to ne negotiate his way through the rapids while, while doing some of the good to accomplish some of the good stuff he wants to accomplish, but making compromises until he went a compromise too far. I think he's almost Shakespearean in this, that he's kind of like just, he's just followed this logic over the cliff. You know, he's, he's a guy who was trying to do the right thing, but think of where he is. You know, Michael Mukasey wrote a piece in the, he was the uh, attorney general under Bush at the end of the Bush administration. And he wrote a uh, piece saying that what he thinks that, um, that Comey did was that after it was revealed that Obama had written to Clinton under a pseudonym. Obama then came out on TV and said he didn't think she should be prosecuted because she didn't act with intent, which is not the law. The law is, does not say you have to act with intent. It only says you have to act recklessly, and she did act recklessly. And he said that, you know, Comey said she acted recklessly. Mukasey thinks that basically Comey took the hint and said, I can't prosecute the president because if she's guilty of acting recklessly, then so is he for it by using her server. And so he came out and sort of did what he did, which was this weird thing when you think about it, is he said, I'm, I'm not going to indict her, which was not his decision. That's the decision of the Justice Department. He only is supposed to gather information for them to make. He, says, he said no reasonable person would indict her. 
And then he listed all her lies and all these things that fulfilled the, the requirements of the law that you act recklessly, basically, with classified information. She obviously should have been indicted, and he didn't do it. And I think what he was trying to do was get to some kind of justice, give the people some kind of shot at making their own determination while admitting to himself that he was not going to get this indictment from a Justice Department that is wholly corrupt. Having done that, he basically compromised, went a step too far, and now he's stuck in his own web of deception. He's stuck in his own web of deception, has to come out and say, I'm investigating this, but it just makes him look really bad. It makes him look really, it makes him look worse, it makes him look like a worse man than I think he actually is. He is tangled in this thing. He should have quit. He should have said, I, he should have said, here's the information. I demand a grand jury. This is Mukasey's uh, uh, suggestion that I demand a grand jury and then let Loretta Lynch blandly sinister Loretta Lynch, say, no, I'm not going to do a grand jury, and then he could have quit. And that's basically what Nixon's prosecutors did. And by the way, these, Kellyanne Conway has been selling the idea that this is worse than Watergate. It's much worse than Watergate. Watergate was a minor, minor offense. It got snowballed because of their attempts to cover it up. This is already, here's what we know. Here's what we know, okay? That we know from the Doug Band letters that the Clinton Global Initiative is a dirty operation in which charitable, political, and personal uh, wealth are all mixed together, which is against the law and against the IRS. If they weren't so busy investigating Tea Party guys operating out of their garages, the IRS would be on this like white on rice. I mean, we know this is a dirty, uh, a dirty operation. We know that Hillary Clinton sold influence, at least sold access. We don't know whether she did any favors for anybody, but we, we know she sold access to people who gave money to her foundation. And we suspect that's why she was keeping a private server so she could keep this to herself. And then keeping a private server, we know she exposed classified information. This is bad stuff. This is bad stuff, you know. And we know also that stuff was destroyed, that emails were destroyed after they were subpoenaed. That alone, in, uh, under federal law, prohibits you from having taking public office. So it's it's for the people. The people are going to hold trial. 20 million people apparently have already voted. That's out of about 130 million that will ultimately vote. I, I assume the 20 million people who voted knew they weren't going to change their minds. They were dead. They were dead. Yeah. <laughs> that was the other thing. Well, that's the other thing. It makes it hard to change your mind when you're already buried. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if the people will accept this level of corruption to avoid the loose cannon, the obvious loose cannon of Donald Trump. Let us move on to culture. Now, we've been getting, you know, Michael Knowles, our cultural correspondent, has been coming in here, and now, finally, we're getting some reaction. Here is a, a letter that someone wrote to Ben Shapiro, which was passed on to me. He says, <laughs> he says, hi, Ben. For the past couple weeks, Michael Knowles has sat at your desk for Clavin's cultural segment on Mondays. How would you like to slaughter Mr. Knowles' insolent and pretentious life? You can, you can, you can A, cut his heart out with a spoon, a la Robin Hood, B, force choke him, a la Star Wars, C, use a wood chipper, a la Fargo, D, all of this above, all of the above. So, Mike, it's, it's great to have you here. You've obviously made a big impression, and uh, our cultural correspondent, Michael Knowles, is back. Hey. <laughs> hey, there you are. There you are, bro. The technology has just gotten better and better the closer you've gotten. It's amazing. Yeah. This is really good. Yeah. And I must say, I would be less afraid 
of the guy who wrote in that letter than I would be of the costume that I'm wearing today. The, <laughs> yeah, that the is pretty scariest, terrifying. It's <laughs> the scariest monster of all, a Yale undergraduate in 2016. <laughs> it is really... Ooh. <laughs> now, these are the uh, your, your album. I don't want to tell anybody that you went to Yale because it makes you look like a little you know, privileged. You know, <laughs> just, right. a, just a little bit. Just a little bit like a pro uh, yeah, SWAT. Yeah. You know, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but Yale is where this thing about Halloween costumes, this is ground zero for the Halloween costume. Controversy. That's right. This is the one-year anniversary of Yale falling into total madness and taking most of the country with her. And uh, the, just to remind anybody yes. who, who doesn't remember this, uh, there was an email that went out from the Intercultural Affairs Council or something to that effect. Very important body. Very yeah. important yeah. body of governing apparently college-level students <laughs> and uh, telling them what Halloween costumes they're allowed to wear and what they're not allowed to wear and presumably what time to go to bed and to brush their teeth and other things like that, you know? Yeah. And uh, so a, one of the heads of a college, uh, the, the term is master, but that's been gotten rid of in the, in the intervening right. year. That was NASA, <laughs> I think, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> they, uh, one of the, the masters of the college sent an email out and said, uh, hey, you know, I think uh, Yale students can probably decide for themselves uh, what to wear for Halloween. They were run out of the university. She and her husband were run out of the university. They're right. no longer employed by Yale. This was the, the little girl screaming, you know, stop talking, stop talking. A little That's nasty. right. That's really what I'm trying to evoke with my costume. <laughs> okay. it's, this, it's frightening. Yeah. This undergraduate named Gerilyn Luther went on, uh, was filmed for, you know, an hour or something, screaming at her professor and saying, uh, this is not an intellectual space this is a home, and then screamed a few more profanities, and then ironically said, who the F hired you? But she was on the hiring committee that gave him the job. So anyway, that's a little recap. All right, so so my, my question is, does this, I mean, if this is just involved with a bunch of, like, Yaleys, like, nobody cares about you. Right, Yaleys. right, who cares? But, but has this spread like a virus out into the mainstream? Oh, yeah, so just last week. <laughs> I was, oh, afraid, oh, I was yes. afraid you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just last week, an NYU professor was uh, run out of the university for tweeting against this illiberal Halloween scary culture. Really? And uh, they, he got a, a memo from HR that said that they were concerned about his mental health because he was tweeting against political correctness. That is no joke. That's Wait, did they use those terms? Yeah, they, they said, yes, they were worried about his mental health. They didn't wow. reference yeah, political yeah. correctness, but that was the only thing he was talking about. Wow. Um, okay. So that, yeah. that really happened last uh, week. Okay, so um, still, but still a university, Still right? university. Yeah. We can accept, until I turned on to CNN, Okay. I don't. I don't think we got the flowchart on the screen, but no. I'll just show you. This okay. is a. Yeah, you can see it there. This is a little handy guide in case any of you adult human beings were uh, confused on what you're allowed to wear for Halloween. And it turns out, not very much. And uh, wait, you're you're joking, right? This no, is, no. This, this is serious. If you, if, according to this, you're yeah. you're not allowed to say. Uh, or use any costumes that could be even remotely considered offensive to a racial, religious, this, that, and the other thing group, you're, you're even discouraged from dressing as Harambe, which is... <laughs> Are you really? Oh, yeah, yeah, because it would, of course, offend... Uh, Ape American, hominid Americans. I don't really. I don't know. Um, hominid Americans. So there are, yeah, there are about four or five areas on this flowchart where you are just simply not allowed to go. So, so my some blackface sombrero, you know, thing, that's <laughs> yeah. out this year. Is that's that right. The, I was actually going to wear the feathered headdress, but I would be dressing as Mark Ruffalo, not as. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So you're. They're actually trying to make people feel bad about like dressing up in other other cultures. And, yes, because the, the the problem is. 
cultural appropriation and what they seem to have for, the issue with cultural appropriation is you're not allowed to wear anything that isn't directly related to your own culture, however right. that be defined. Love it. Which, uh, as you might imagine, precludes any costume. Right. <laughs> any, any, any costume. Because that's what a costume is. <laughs> right. You have to dress up as yourself. That would be, that's all you can do. <laughs> what is it about Halloween that drives people nuts like this? this has been, I mean, the anxiety over Halloween has gotten to the point, really, where kids are, you know, we used to go out, obviously, just roam free on Halloween mm -hmm. evening and go from house to house. And then all this stuff about razor blades and right, poison right. can Does that ever happen? Well, yeah, it's funny you bring that up. Uh, it turns out <laughs> razor blades, poison, sexual deviance, all these fears, yeah. you know. You, I remember this happened when I was a kid, too. Um, it's all made up. It's all made up. It's all made up. There was a study out of Johns Hopkins that came out. It was almost entitled Halloween the safest day of the year. <laughs> there is no, there have been, seriously, there, there has been one confirmed instance of a child being poisoned on Halloween by his own father. There, <laughs> since the 1950s. Oh, that'll, that'll show you where the danger lies. That's for yeah, sure. that's right. yeah. Since the 50s, there have been 80 cases of, uh, or 80 reports, rather, of razor blades and things in uh, candy. Most of those have been proven to be hoaxes. That's since the 50s? Since the 50s. So even if it's 80, it's know, like 65. Yeah, okay. There, there is one, you know, it's amazing how stupid we are. <laughs> so we're all worried about, you know, like these sadosexual predators poisoning right. our, our candy corn or something. The actual danger on Halloween is being hit by a car. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course. <yeah. laughs> the children are twice as likely on any other day. Uh, as on any other day, right. to, to be hit by a car on Halloween. That is the only thing you have to worry about. <laughs> all right, all right. That, well, that lets us know. It's just, it's just a, I think when you, di when you dance with the devil, you go insane. That's, that's right, that. that's right. So, the, only, so, the only things to worry about are getting hit by a car, right. the shrieking yell undergraduates, and, uh, and the thought police at CNN. I yeah, getting, or getting hit by a car driven by a shrieking yell undergrad. <laughs> uh, what, uh, any, any Halloween stuff you like? Any ghost movies you've seen or anything? That's there great? is, yeah. I was going to see the Halloween movies this weekend uh, Inferno or Big Medea's Halloween <laughs> oh, House 57 or whatever I, I it is. I almost walked out of the trailer for Inferno. That's how boring it looked. Like. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Yeah. But there is something really good on, okay. which maybe people are seeing it's in its third season now, is Black Mirror. Oh, I love uh, Black Mirror's good. Yeah, it no, is I like really it. good. Yeah. It's a British take. The Black Mirror, I guess I don't have my phone on me. The Black mm. Mirror is the, the TV screen or the computer okay. screen or the phone screen. Clever. And it's yeah. this modern take on... Um, uh, the Twilight Zone, like the Twilight Zone, and it's right. but it's much longer. They're about an hour long. The acting is really good. The the writing is really good. It's genuinely spooky, and it's all relating to technology and you know this kind of near future world that we're about to inhabit. It is. Uh, I don't know if it's a sign of the writing or of our culture, but it's genuinely very, very spooky. Yeah, I've seen it. It's, it really is good. And it's, the, it's, the episodes that are good are great. And yes. that's, it's, it's really something. Michael Knowles, ladies and gentlemen, we will be taking a poll on Twitter later whether you want to scoop his heart out with a spoon or uh, four-stroke him or I forgot the, what was the other one? Uh, I oh, forget. A, the wood chipper. The wood chipper. I, I know I, Ben did say it, he would go much darker and just pick up the desk and beat me to death with the desk. So. <laughs> yeah, the guy who writes to Ben ended the email by saying, does, does this appeal to your dark humor or is it too much? Like, who's he talking? He's talking to Shapiro. Shapiro's <laughs> going, wait, is wood chippers the worst I can get here? Like, <laughs> All right, our cultural correspondent, Michael Lawrence. Right, thank you very much. Happy Halloween, yes. <laughs> All right, one quick last Halloween stuff I like. Then we get to move on to other stuff. The Conjuring 2. I saw Conjuring 1, and you, you got to hear this. I saw Conjuring 1, and I liked the first hour of it. 
uh, you know, very, I love a slow, ghostly, creepy buildup and all this stuff. And then I thought it went nuts. I thought it was, I thought the second, the last half hour of it was really uh, just kind of a lot of boo scares and all this stuff. So I didn't want to watch Conjuring Two. I didn't go to the movies when it came out. I watched it over the weekend. It is, I think it's far better than the original. It's based on a true story, The Enfield Haunting. There's a series you can get uh, that was done by the BBC, I think, maybe, it may have been Granada. It was one of the British TV stations of The Enfield Haunting that kind of tells the true story. This is the Hollywood story, totally blown out of proportion. But the thing about it is, is that, first of all, it has Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga play... Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were famous ghost hunters, they became famous because of the Amityville horror. And so they were, they're real people. And one of the things about Patrick Wilson is one of the few actors who can play decency without being sentimental. Like, I always hated, like Robin, I hate to speak ill of the dead, but Robin Williams, whenever he would play a decent person, his eyes would get all moist and his lips would tremble. You just think, I hate this guy, you know? And, but, but Patrick Wilson can play American decency like he means it without being sentimental. So he's really good in this. Uh, James Wan directs, this is essentially a franchise in which Jesus is the hero. I mean, people who get feel that all religious movies are stupid, people who feel that uh, all movies are uh, left-wing, this is a movie about two people of faith who go and they fight with the devil. And my favorite line in this movie, which is not giving anything away, is in a conversation somebody says, somebody says to Lorraine Warren, I don't know which is worse, the demons or the people who take advantage of people's gullibility. And she turns around and she says, the demons. <laughs> the demons are worse, yeah. you know. Really, really good stuff. Take some time. It's a, little, it's a little long, but I didn't feel the length. I thought it went really smoothly. But it takes the time to establish what the good people do. The good people love each other. The good people establish families. The good fathers don't leave. That kind of thing. It's really uh, straightforward. Here's a quick scene which just shows uh, Lorraine Warren, Vera Farmiga, trying to con uh, connect with the little girl who is being possessed do you know when the voice is going to speak? Sometimes. And when it does, does it feel like it's coming from inside you? No. More like it's coming from behind me. Like I'm being used. Does it ever say things just to you that only you can hear? What does it say? It said it wants to hurt you. When did it say that? Right now. <laughs> So, so that's the that's the stuff I love. I love the stuff that just makes you go like, you know. But there's also plenty of good scares. A really scary looking ghost in it uh, that really had me kind of. Uh, I was alone in the house. My wife was out of town last week, so I was alone in the house. Really had me kind of going. And the girl who plays this little girl's older sister, Lauren Esposito, is the actress's name. Is really really terrific. Doesn't have a big part, but she really is a promising actress. Anyway, good stuff. Conjuring too. I was really surprised. So something to watch on Halloween. 
Have a happy Halloween. And like our cultural correspondent Michael Knowles said before, we had to put him in the wood chipper. Remember, you know, do drive carefully because the kids are out there. They run around unexpectedly. They dress in dark, you know, witch costumes and stuff so you can't see them. So take it easy. You know, Halloween's lots of fun until you back over somebody's kid. And then, and then oh, I, just, just, I don't know what it is. That just kills the humor of the thing. All right. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is the Andrew Clavin Show. This election, as predicted here, we predicted that there was another shoot a drop. It has now dropped. Things are only going to get more fun and more interesting. The, who knew the end of the republic would be this entertaining? We'll see you tomorrow and follow it through.